Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, including the Final Four in San Antonio, Texas, where the Duffel Bag Boys will be wearing tuxedos. Dropping duffel bags of cash. If you want to wear a tuxedo and come to the Final Four with us, just go to SeatGeek, use promo code OSP, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. And we're also brought to you by Sportsbook Review. This year's tournament has seen its share of upsets, but one upset that you cannot afford is picking the wrong place to bet. Sportsbook Review is the industry standard when it comes to rating and ranking online sports betting sites. With top sign-up bonuses, the best mobile platforms, reduced juice, and early lines. No juice in the game, folks. Sportsbook Review has helped hundreds of thousands of customers get into the action this year. College basketball, they're all about it. For a limited time, head over to sportsbookreview.com slash ringer, R-I-N-G-E-R, for easy access for free picks, live odds, and a list of the best sites for betting throughout the remainder of this year's NCAA tournament. Again, that's sportsbookreview.com slash ringer. Come out a winner. Tate, we're also brought to you, as always, by TheRinger.com, where I'm doing a mailbag this week. Um, I'm spinning it as I want to hear from the fans. I want to hear from the readers. uh, I want to hear from the friends of the program. Really, I'm just lazy, and uh, I figured that's the easiest way to touch on everything because what happens happens when you write a Final Four column? We're at the stage of the tournament where if you don't talk about every single team in a certain way, People get a little upset. So I'm putting in the ball in their court. I'm like, you don't call their starting center by the wrong name. Right. You don't call him Crutwig. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) That was what I did. And that's because I was upset. And I'm sorry. I blame Sister Jean. She blinded me. Right. Everyone gets mad. So what you do, the the move is you say, all right, we'll do a mailbag. And then that way, if you don't like the column, it's your fault. You you spin it on the other people. It's certainly not my fault. I'll I'll take full responsibility Mm -hmm. because that's what what we do on this podcast. We take full responsibility for part of the process. Yes. I will take full responsibility, but I also want to make it clear that it's not my fault in the slightest. And I'm actually doing a money bag this week. So if you want to send money to me, <laughs> just put it in a bag, mail it in. I do mm-hmm. actual mail. Uh, I, I One of my biggest things with mail bags is why we don't say email bags. Yeah, I know. And there is no bag. The bag is fictitious. The bag, yeah. The bag does not exist. But on this podcast, it does. The bag most certainly does exist. And the bag came for a couple coaches that we need to talk about. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the Final Four. Just all the happenings in college basketball. We're, we we kind of did a little bit of a Final Four preview on Sunday. We still have one more pod. We're, Tate and I, uh, as we've, we've said before, we'll say it again, we are going to San Antonio for the Final Four. So we're, we plan right, the plan right now is to have a podcast out on Friday once we get the boots on the ground down there in San Antonio, um, get a little feel for what's going on. And we will report back with, with some more stuff. So today we're just kind of stuck in that no man's land. A little bit of a Final Four preview little bit of a uh, coaching discussion, maybe even a little three-on-three talk uh, with the with the three-on-three thing going on that Tate and I are going to be hosting. But uh, we'll get to all that. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of Technical foul. Technical foul. It is Tuesday, March 27th, here in beautiful Los Angeles, California. The NIT is going on as we speak. I believe Stansberry. I believe Rick Stansberry is uh, all that bag dropping has finally brought. I saw somewhere that, that Stansberry said he would rather go to the NIT and win than make the NCAA tournament and like lose in the first round. Um, I find it interesting that he said that as his team was, you know, in the NIT. It's really convenient. 
I think we should do a thing now, like in the future, when we have a coach that's in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They have a choice. You can trade places with the NIT team to be a one yeah. seed to then go win the NIT. Maybe that brings some prestige yeah. and value. You know, it's like Oklahoma decides to not play in the NCAA tournament and go be a one seed in the NIT. We, they get to just play the title game. They're already in Madison Square Garden. Right. They just play right. the championship <laughs> game. They don't have to play any other game, just the title game. We, we only hear about this from the coaches who are in the NIT. It's weird. You know, that's that's the weirdest thing. You never hear the coach who lost in the first round in the NCAA tournament and his post game presser be like, you know, this is a complete waste of my time. I would have much rather been in the NIT. Vying for a title in Madison Square Garden. The best is with a team that finishes in second in the NIT. There, there's like a relief around the program. Carolina in 2010, you love to make fun of this. They, they lost in the championship at the NIT. They went to the NIT, did they not? Yeah, in and then they lost in yeah. the final. And it was because everyone said they threw the loss because they want to put the banner up at the NIT, you know? And, and I they, think, would, they would have put a banner up, too. Of course, of course. Put, that's all <laughs> you, they do in Carolina. You just take everything. Yes. Yeah, so if, you, if you average very more than— Very smart. Savvy play, folks. If you average more than seven points a game in North Carolina, you get your jersey in the rafters. Everybody knows this. Yes, that's Bobby the, Frazier, congrats. Oh, shoot. I just saw the final score of the, the game as we're talking about Rick Stansbury. It's 69-64. They lost. It's a race of 69. It's though. a race of 69. That, that, that's your theory of college basketball, of postseason basketball. It's a race it of used to be a race of 70, but now it's a race of 69. Um, we learned so, them the Duke-Kansas game. We have a little bit of a hodgepodge. It's a casual Tuesday, if you will, um, leading into the Final Four. It's kind of our last opportunity to get casual because it's all business from here, Tate. We're hitting the, we're hitting the road in San Antonio. It's, it's time to get down to business. We're going to have to talk Final Four. Mm-hmm. Then we'll do some more pods, talking national championship, all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to start here, though. Uh, the ACC has been eliminated from the NCAA tournament. I, we, <laughs> we forgot to bring this up. As a whole, on the, yes. the entire ACC is gone. <laughs> I, I guess uh, you conveniently did not bring that up uh, when we were talking about that in, in, in response to the Duke I don't know game. why you want me to carry the water for the ACC. I don't, know. I don't care. It's weird. I'm not worried about it's it. It's weird. The ACC did do you, something Because you rode for every ACC. Every you looked at the bracket, you believed in every single ACC team. I believe in the teams. I don't look at the name on the front of the back. I just there, look at the players. Is the Missouri Valley better than the ACC? Because the Missouri Valley got one in the Final Four and the ACC didn't. Sure. Are you worried about that? For their commercial well, sake, maybe. So the reason I bring up the ACC, beyond the fact that you got zero teams into the tournament, in the Big Ten, we got one, not mm-hmm. to brag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Your rival. Your arch rival. I'm not listening. Yes. The team that you claim to hate. You come on this podcast, you mm-hmm. say the ACC is better A team than that I've always been behind. Since the 2012 <laughs> Sugar Bowl that I went to. Uh, so because the season is over for the ACC teams and the rest of the country is still vying for a national championship, mm-hmm. the ACC is getting a little bit of a head start. A little unfair if you ask me, but that's okay. Uh, a little bit of a head start on the coaching carousel. Yes. Um, they should have to wait for the rest of, for the conferences that actually have contenders that are actually vying for national championships to, to play out their season. Little, little bit of an unfair advantage. Yeah, sort of here. like what UConn did. You know, they did the nice thing. They right. waited until. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, they didn't. Um, two ACC schools made enormous hires today. Let's talk about the biggest one. Uh, okay, go. Let, let, let's go ahead. Go in order. <laughs> Which one is the biggest one for for the people for the people that are, are tuning in and have no idea what we're talking about? Uh, I know what you think is the biggest one. Louisville hired Chris yes. Mack. Yes, from Xavier mm-hmm. and. Uh, Pitt finally got a coach. They they interviewed like 300 people, I want to say, mm-hmm. and they finally got a coach. And Jeff Duffelbag Capel, the mm-hmm. the greatest bag man potentially college basketball has ever seen, definitely that the Midwest has ever seen. And that's the that's where you want to start, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, am I do I have this? Am I understanding this correctly? That's where you would like yes. to start. The 27 year old coach that we saw go to VCU not so long <laughs> ago has finally grown up. He gets his first job in the ACC as a head coach. 
He's been putting his time. He's been in the yeah. mid-coastal region forever. Had his dad behind him. Had the ODU <laughs> time. He's put in all the work. And we have been, you know, joking on this program. You know, the, there's the Duke disciples, the K disciples. I won't even call them Duke disciples. They're K disciples. And they come back and they curry favor with K. They sit around the program and they're all idly waiting, waiting by to see what happens when the king finally takes off his crown and he passes it down uh-huh. to the next guy. And what do we say? Jeff Capel is the guy. He's done all the work. He's gotten. 19 McDonald's All-Americans while he's been there at Duke. Incredible. I reiterate, 19. Now, some have transferred. Some have graduated. Some have won national championships. Some, very few have won national championships. But all that is to say, Jeff Capel was there. He was prime position. Everyone thought he was going to be the guy. The K K hands the keys over, too. He's been the associate head coach. You know, he got the title so that everyone was like, why would you try to poach this man? He's the associate head coach to the greatest coach of all time. And for him to go to Pitt as like a number, you know, 315th person that they had on their list and to take this job, <laughs> I'm really happy for him. You know, like he, he got like I thought he was going to sit there and get screwed over by Kay, but he's not sitting around. I think this has been a whole this is a whole trend. Like there was this time once upon a time. Patience is a virtue. People used to wait around for jobs, you know. There was a head coach and waiting idea. Everyone's like waiting for their big job. You know, Gary Williams, who's going to be his next successor? Jim Calhoun, who's going to be his next right. guy? Bayheim, who's going to be the next guy, leaves. And now we have the same situation where Kay's next guy leaves and he gets out because he doesn't believe Kay's going to give him the job or if he'll ever quit. And I'm happy for Jeff Capel he did it. People listening to this cannot see your face right now, but Tate is ecstatic. I mean, I'm happy Tate, for him. Tate is, Tate is just like on cloud nine right now. Shout out He's, to Jason Capel. I'm a big fan of the it, Capel family. Admit it, you, you, so Duke loses to Kansas on Sunday night and Tate, Tate won't say this publicly, but I will. I'll throw him under the bus. He was sad He because... Let's be honest. Half the time we talk about stuff on this mm. podcast, it's about Duke. It always comes back to Duke with you. And you were like, shit, what are we going to do for the rest of the season now that Duke's out? What do we do for content? And None now, of this is true. Now that Capel takes the job, you're like, yes, yes. We can start the next show talking more Duke. Seven years of Jeff Capel. <laughs> Seven. So um, let's talk about the pit part of this first, and then we'll get back to the the Duke side, the, the, the fallout with Coach K. Uh, you know, now he's obviously going to be there forever, and he's. This is a Pitt story. This is not a Duke story. Yeah. Well, Pitt, let's not talk about Duke. Pitt is very, very excited about this hire, and um, I I understand insofar as they try they, their program is a disaster right yes. now. Yes, it is. It is like scorched earth. They they went zero and eighteen in the ACC, lost their first round game in the ACC tournament, so zero and nineteen if you want to count that. Um, they fired Stallings, which were. Still devastated about uh, all the all the players that were left. Uh, as it turns out, they kind of like Stallings, and they decided they, they, eight of them, eight of eight them guys on scholarship were transfer. Like, I'm out. They have they have like no players. They have just no direction for any of the program. <laughs> they, they, it, it's all they have is leaked stories about so and so getting an offer for a ten year, however many million dollar mm-hmm. deal, and they were like. No, I'd rather stay at Canassus. In the fa- yeah, Canassus, <laughs> Canassus, solid joke. That's my favorite. That's my favorite mispronunciation. <laughs> you do is Canassus. That's great. Um, so this is the situation, and Pitt fans, you know, they they're keeping their eyes on Twitter, and they're they're refreshing. They're like, who are we going to mm-hmm. hire? And they all Who's these names are thrown around. Is Sean? Is it going to be Sean Miller? He's mm-hmm. he's from Pittsburgh. What about Shaka Smart? <laughs> what about Shaka Smart? He everyone forgets in 2011. <laughs> he went to the final. Four. He went to the final four. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's more than Sean Miller. We're can not say. sure if Kyle's dying or laughing. I hope he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kyle, what's happening? Kyle, you? you're right. I'm fine, guys. You heard Shaka Smart, and he's like, all in a. Something's going Fuck on. Off, get back to the pot. Come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Shaka Smart. Uh, he, in 2011, went to the fun. God damn it. Who? Zach. He's calling me, too. We're in the middle of a podcast. Zach. Hey, dude, what's up? We're, uh, we're, in the, we're in the middle of a podcast. Oh, fuck. My bad. I thought I saw us recording at five, so I didn't know if you guys were done or what. No. Okay. Sorry about that. I'll call you back. All right. Bye. Keep that in, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's our ringer employee right there. It's a, uh, God damn it, where were we? We're talking about all the coaches that are going to go to Pitt. All the people that are out there. All the oh, stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sh- yes. Shaka went to the Final Four. People forget that. 2011. Yes. Uh, yes. That's that's more than Sean Miller ever went to. Mm-hmm. That's one more than Sean Miller ever went to. Uh, so Pitt fans are, are, Chris Mack. are seeing all of these names coming in. They're getting their hopes up. Is is Brad, Ste- Brad Stevens? I don't, know if, I don't know if Brad Stevens' name ever got brought up, mm-hmm. but I, I guarantee... In some corner of the internet, on some Pittsburgh forum, someone mentioned Brad Stevens. All these names are getting thrown around. Ben Howland. And he can come back and save Pitt. Obviously, all these names say no. Uh, <laughs> then, they, <laughs> then they go to the next tier, and it's like like you said, guys from Canassus yes. and, and the, the like. Guys who, like, <laughs> in 2001, won one NCAA tournament game as a 14 seed, and... Let's let's try to hire him because you know he he's shown that he can do it. He's done it before. Maybe he can do it. Maybe he could rediscover that magic. Mm-hmm. All these guys are saying no. So if you're a Pitt fan, you're watching all this unfold and you're saying, we're screwed. We're not getting any coach. Like Pitt fans are tweeting at me saying, Titus, will you please yes join? Put the your raid. name in Put the hat. In. If you can't get Duquesne, yeah. you can still come to Pittsburgh and just have Pitt. And like they're talking themselves into like come to Pittsburgh, crush Duquesne. Yes, like that could be the angle here. That's like your rivalry. Your in in city rivalry. Maybe mm-hmm. you were always destined for the city of Pittsburgh. It was just you had your eyes on the wrong school. Uh, but that was that was the situation that they found themselves in. Right so, logic, wrong pick. So I understand that landing eventually with Jeff Capel. That's exciting. Like if you've gotten to the point where you're. You're you're tweeting at me and you're you can't tell if you're joking or not that you want me to come take over. And then Jeff Cable says, I'll do it. That's gotta be exciting. The uh, the, the other hand though, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is a good program, historically. They Pittsburgh is a giant. It's I, a, come on. It's a giant program. I believe in the Pittsburgh program, but they're also the saddest it's a, it's a tragic story, you know? It's a tragic flaw of college football. Pitt is the perfect example of this, and so is UConn. We bring Pitt to the ACC in, what, 2013? I think 2013. I'm pretty sure it's 2013. The Panthers come. They have one good season in the ACC, their first season in the ACC. They have a nice little run. People are like, oh, this kind of is working out. We got Jamie Dixon in the ACC, another good coach. Got Bayheim coming in. Everything looks good. Pitt will be fine. They'll be a nice piece. They're like a nine seed in the tournament every year, nine, ten seed, somewhere around there. Pitt fans aren't happy about that. So like, we're a Final Four contender. Right. We have Jamie Dixon. Never heard of him. And Jamie Dixon's like, well, I've heard of TCU. That's my alma mater. I'm going to go there because you guys don't treat me with any respect. And now they're in this situation. They've been terrible in the ACC. Right. They do the offer. And now we sit here, and but I don't I'm know what they are. I don't think they have any value like the, at, at the moment. You go back to like the Howland, like the, the start of two, from 2000 Two, until yeah, yeah. 2013, mm-hmm. whatever. That stretch, Pitt was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like one of the they they never made a final four in that stretch. Whatever. Um, they got the one. I think they got they got at least one one seed. I think a couple. Mm-hmm. I think they got a few one seeds. Um, they they were they were a very 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 good Big East program and very respectable. And I think that's the part where it's like, you look at Jeff Capel. Is he going to be able to bring them back to that? 
And to Jeff that, Cable say, will not be able to bring them back to the old Big East. No, yeah, no. <laughs> no, he will not. Is he going to bring them back to the old Big East level? And the answer is probably not. He might. He. I don't know what the duffel situation is like in Pittsburgh. He might get some fat, some fat duffels and find find the next T.J. McConnell and and you know drop some bags around wherever uh, <laughs> wherever wherever old T.J. is from. Get some hardworking, scrappy guys from Pittsburgh. Uh, he might be able to like build something, but like you look at Jeff Capel's track record at VCU at Oklahoma. I mean, that's not something that that if I'm a Pitt fan, I'm like yes, because really, if you're a Pitt fan, you're asking yourself. Like, like the goal is to get back to where Jamie Dixon was when you, for some reason, you foolishly said, we don't want this, we mm-hmm. want better. Like, if you're a Pitt fan now, you're like, we take back everything we said, we'll do anything to get back to that point. And is Jeff Capel going to bring them back to where Jamie Dixon was? If you're asking me, I say no. And that's, like, kind of a weird spot because it is a good hire given the circumstances, but, like, at the you take a a, a look at, like, Pitt the last 20 years or so, that's not really a hire I would be excited about if I was Pitt. I think the reason they are excited is for good reason. He's 43 years old. He has yeah. name recognition. People like Jeff Capel. Jared Wilson Frame, their leading scorer, sees this happen. He responds on right. Twitter. And he's like, I'm going to come back to Pitt. Now I'm back in. You know, these eight guys are saying they, they want right. to play for Jeff Capel. So all that's good and dandy. But I think what, what we wanted to see from the pitch job, or at least in my head, what I wanted to see was someone that's familiar with the ACC. They're still trying to find the old Big East glory. We're trying to bring in like a tough Big East guy and, you know, get Pitt back to playing Pitt basketball. And it's like, no, you're in the ACC now. You kind of have to adapt to the way they play. The opposite of what Kevin Stallings did, which is God knows what. But I Yeah, mean, in the ACC, you have to play good basketball, and Kevin Stallings played <laughs> shitty basketball. That was his big mistake. Kevin Stallings was very confused why everyone was so good. <laughs> He's like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> at Vanderbilt, all we had to worry about was Kentucky and sometimes Florida. What the hell is this? He's like, do I get to play Mississippi State at some time? Where is Ole Miss? Are they not in the ACC? My God. Uh, so I thought Pitt was going to hire someone from the ACC. Padgett was the guy that came to my head in my head the first time because uh, he has this 22-win season with Louisville. Granted, they had all these players that apparently Patino would have won a title with easily. <laughs> easily. With his iron fist. Ruling ruling with an iron fist. Uh, Rick Patino the title. So all that happens. And I'm thinking, Pitt needs an ACC guy. So I guess they check the box there. He's young. He's 43. Yeah. They check the box there. But the thing that we know about Capel and everything that he's done in, in basketball, and this is dating back to VCU, he has to get splashy guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what he does. It's like Blake Griffin. I have Eric Maynard. I have Blake Griffin. I have all these guys. Like, I have a franchise guy, and I'm going to put pieces around him, but I still have to get that franchise piece. I don't know who's going to Pitt to be that franchise guy. And I, I have an idea. Say it. Uh, a certain guy that he got to commit to Duke who has not signed his letter of intent yet. Mm-hmm. A six-six small forward from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Zion Williamson. He's Wouldn't still out there. Something? That would be nice. I don't see it happening. I think it also is the best story in the world if it does happen. If no, we no, just no. get the one tweet no. that says like thanking face and it's Zion Williamson. That's no, what here's want. the best story: as Zion Williamson does the does what you just said. He or he does the. I think I think the best move would have been emoji. the eyes emoji. Mm-hmm. If he would have done that today, when Capel gets hired to Pitt. Zion just tweets out the eyes emoji and Pitt fans just lose their mind and they're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. it's happening. Zion Williamson is coming to Pitt. He's following Capel. And then like three days later, Zion Williamson commits to Arizona having never visited the <laughs> campus and never even talked to Sean Miller. <laughs> Followed shortly like, by Ashton Hagens who then commits to Arizona as well. <laughs> and we do a live look at Sean Miller and he's in a very nice shirt that's just been starched. There is no sweat to be seen. He just buttoned it all the way up. We just say live look. That would be awesome. That'd be good. I'm rooting for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Pittsburgh. I mean, I 
I, I feel like I'm being a wet blanket for Pitt fans. You should be excited, uh, given the, given where the program is at. You were a laughing stock. I think at this point, you're not going to be a laughing stock. You can be excited. As Tate said, at the, at the worst case scenario, Capel's going to make a splash. He's going to matter. Yeah. Pitt, Pitt basketball is going to matter. Are they going to get back to the level of like getting one seeds and making runs at Final Fours that they ultimately come short? And they're going to come short and making Final Four runs for sure. But, uh, you know, I, you know what I'm saying. I, I just I don't I don't necessarily think he's the guy to do that, but I also think that's okay. You, you find yourself in a different situation now, so I think the reason to be excited if you are a Pitt fan is that Pitt usually they try to go into like the Philadelphia Northeast market of players of recruiting yeah. players, and that is not where Jeff Cable thrives. He's going to be in Virginia. He's going to be in North Carolina. He's going to be in South Carolina. He's going to be in Georgia. Right. So you're going to get some of those guys from the South that maybe go up north and play. Like even we see like Kai Bowman, a guy that goes to Boston College. You're going to see some of those guys from the South get pulled up to Pitt, and he's going to recruit that area. Virginia's not recruiting those guys from Boo Williams guys in Virginia. That's just not their type of player. Mm-hmm. He's going to be all in there. VCU's kind of going down right now. He's going to get some of those Virginia kids. Virginia Tech, he's going to be going against Buzz Williams. He's going to win recruiting battles, but it's going to be like, you're going to but see what? A, a top 10 list, and it's going to have like Georgetown, Virginia Tech, Pitt, and you're going to be like, wow, Pitt's involved? And, it's and like, the, that's all And Jeff I think Cable. the great thing to, to keep in mind here is as he wins these recruiting battles, and he he gets gets guys to come to Pitt that otherwise definitely would never even thought about it, um, is that his last head coaching job ended because he got fired, and when he left... There were recruiting violations, but he was not personally implicated. Um, Titus. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Titus. That's he didn't know Leave anything. Come yeah. on, Leave him alone. He yeah, took Leave full him. responsibility, but he had nothing to do with yeah. it. There you go. There it is. Yes, there it is. The perfect play. Uh, so where where does this leave Duke? Is the question. Um, it, it leaves us with it leaves us with one big takeaway, which is Mike Shashevsky, as we have said on this podcast many times, will never retire. Yes. He will have his head frozen. He will have his head surgically. Added to a robot in the year twenty thirty six, and he will coach it's Futurama Richard Nixon. Yeah, future That's he him. will be Futurama Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. He will never ever retire. the The sun in a million years, as the sun is engulfing the earth, Mike Shashevsky will no <laughs> as he burns. That'll be the very last words uttered mm-hmm. by humankind. As, mm-hmm. as Mike said, oh, no. Um, so I think that it's that we we start there because. I mean, even beyond, even if, even if, God forbid, Coach K does retire, where does this leave Duke? I mean, if you're a Duke fan, you're saying, well, Capel's going to go kill it at Pitt, and then we're just going to call him, and the prodigal son will return home, and we'll I be think right that's back how where we K- I mean, that's how Capel envisions it. Yeah. Capel thinks he's going to an ACC job. He's going to do a really good job. K is going to then say, my son, I finally respect you. I want to bring you but back see, in. see, the problem with that is, Hasn't every other Duke guy said that? Isn't uh-huh. that what Wojo said? Isn't what that what Dawkins Colin said? said? Doggins, yeah. Amaker. Com- all, yeah. all these guys said this. And it's almost like as soon as you leave the family to you're go not find in yourself, family. you're like out, you're, you're excommunicated. It's like, I, that, that's the vibe I get from the outside is like, like Cable became the guy just because he was around. Mm-hmm. He was in Durham still. So that became like, oh, he's got to be the guy because he's still on staff with Kay. Um, does that leave us with John Shire? Is, is John Shire going to be the guy in like five years? A 35-year-old John Shire in five years going to be the Duke? And that's where I think you buried the lead too because one of the initial reports was Pittsburgh is interested in hiring John Shire to be the head coach of the Pitt basketball program. Yeah, they did. That's true. That was the yeah. first story that I saw, and that was the first thing I believed. And I had 14 or 15 random people like respond to me on Twitter with each thing saying Shire's going to Duke, which in my mind, something got leaked out from Pittsburgh saying they're going to hire a Duke assistant coach. Everyone was like, there's no way Capel would leave Duke because he's 
the natural successor. So they're probably mm-hmm. going after Shire, who's really the number two guy there. Obviously, that was a lie. But yeah. it also gives me a little bit of credence to believe that John Shire has worked his way up and, and curried enough favor with Kay where he is his right-hand man, which now he's in this interesting predicament because he has an associate head coach title, which, I mean, titles, that- are, titles are made up, as, as we know, in life. But, like, Capel really liked that title, and he was definitely the right-hand in command, and he made a lot of decisions for Kay on the recruiting trail yeah. and beyond, obviously. Well, Kay now has a right-hand man and a left-hand man. He's got two guys. He's Nate, got Nate James. Yeah. And he's got John Shire. And I think if I'm Nate James, I've been there for three national titles, the most of anyone besides Kay. I've been sitting on the bench, biding my time, waiting my turn, sitting there next to Capel, trying to basically be his number two when Capel takes over. If you're Nate right. James, is probably what he's thinking. But then a 26-year-old man named John Shire, <laughs> who couldn't quite hit as many shots as a man named J.J. Reddick. Comes and sits down on the bench right next to Kay. He's very integral in the Harry Giles recruitment. I saw that firsthand. I remember I went to a high school game of Harry Giles when he was a junior. And uh, I was there with Carolina people. Um, Harry Giles walks up to Coach Calipari, gives him a nice handshake. Mm. High five. How you was doing? How you doing? Was it a loaded son? handshake? Was it, it, was, a it, was a, it was an empty handshake from oh, what okay. I saw, but that's all I can report. Okay. Um, and then he goes up to John Shire. Gives him a big hug. Shire's got the glasses on, trying to look like a young Brad Stevens, you know, the intellectual type, the the guy you just want to talk to. He's kind of a yeah, nerd, can we but talk he's about, friendly. Can we talk about John Shire's transition into the the glass, <laughs> like the glasses stage of the John Shire? Like he's already forty at this point. Like we, he's playing the long I know. con. I, we're, he's I'm, like I'm on you, John. I see, he's my age. Yeah, he's, like I see what John Shire's doing here with the glasses. He's like, I'm yeah. trying to look professional and older than what I am. Uh, yeah. So Duke. <laughs> a lot of people, <laughs> I say the word Duke and Duke's I'm like, whoa. Yeah, the Shire and Nate James are now, that, that is something, I know a lot of people are like doing the jerk off motion. I can't believe these guys are talking about Duke when we're leading into the Final Four, but it's it's fascinating stuff. I mean, I don't know. We got this, there, it leads, cre- or it, the whole purpose of this podcast is to talk about good guys and bad, bad guys. guys. Right. This is premium bad guy. This is like as if LeBron James all of a sudden switched teams, you know? Right. If we're if this was the bad guy switch. This is LeBron James of bad guys going to a new university. LeBron loses in the Eastern Conference Finals yes. to the Celtics. Yes. And then as the finals are about to start, LeBron's like, I'm I'm switching teams. Yes. He makes that announcement. That's what that's what Tate and I that's how we reacted to this Yes. It, so it's a big deal. Uh yeah, it K is never retiring. That's what we take mm-hmm. away. So who I guess who are the candidates to take over for um, uh, Capel? It's Shire. I have, I have one name in mind. I mean, Shire. So Shire, Shire and Nate James, James get the promotion. Get the dual associate. So now he has two guys. You know, thing gotta, one and thing two, right, right by his side to go. Yeah. Know, do do their bidding. We no have an assistant job open. Yes. And you talked about what is the rule it's of gotta thumb. Be, it's got to be someone in the family. Proximity. Proximity is everything. Being yep. around K is everything. Who's around K that is a former... K's trying to get these young guys in so he can groom a whole new class of coaching tree so that he can have like this secondary yep. life, you know, to say like, look where I put John Shire, look where I put Nolan Smith, look where they've ended up. He's done with Dawkins. He's done with Wojo. He's done with Collins. All those guys, throw them away. They don't... Like, they're, they're doing their own things now. Amaker too. All those guys are out. Gerald Henderson's the guy. And I say this... Wait, what? Yes. Gerald Henderson, you know, people forget he did play in the NBA for a while. He was with the Charlotte Bobcats. There's no way you could forget that if you watched any of those games. Uh, He's around Charlotte. He's had an injury. He's trying to get back to playing overseas. I know all this because he's on a podcast called Tobacco Road with Tyler Hansbrough. I know a little bit about that program. 
Go check it out. It's no, pretty don't, hilarious. don't, don't promote that. Kyle, Kyle bleep all of that. Bleep everything. <laughs> bleep you said. all that. Uh, Gerald Henderson's around. He's in Charlotte. He's with Coach K all the time. He's living with John Shire. He's he lives in the house with John Shire. Wait, K, what? Yeah, he's like staying with John Shire and his wife while he's in Durham uh, and rehabbing. Look at, this, look at this journalism taste to it. Yeah, he's rehabbing with Duke. He's all around the program. He practices with the team. I works out with the team. And it seems like one of those things where he he's gonna come back. You know, that's what he's saying. I'm going to yeah. go back to the NBA. I don't think that happens unless he goes overseas. So he just maybe just stays in Durham and gets on staff. Is Nolan Smith on staff? Like, yeah. I know he's on staff. Is he assistant coach technically? Mm-hmm. He's already technically Yeah, they bumped him coach. up, I think, to start the year. Yeah. All right, so they do have a... Okay. I see. I think it's Jay Williams. I think that's the candidate everyone wants. That's what everybody wants is Jay Williams. Cause, you, cause if you're do Jay, you know who doesn't want that? Coach K. There's no one that doesn't want that more than Coach K. He does not want Jer- he does not want Jay Williams walking in his locker room trying to act like he's the boss. He's not going to be in the locker room. He's going to be out touring the country, <laughs> dropping bags. That's why you want Jay Williams. You want him out there like he's already he's, he's got in the, the tw- field. Yeah, he's in the field. He's doing the field work. That's why you want Jay Williams. And if you're if you're Jay Will, you're I mean your choices are go drop bags for Coach K and make like seven million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. It's probably what, no one knows what the Duke assistants make. We don't mm-hmm. know. It's a private school. People forget that part. Um, well, seven million for you to yeah. then divvy up. The <laughs> you skim a chunk off the top. <laughs> if you're Jay Will, do you want to uh, go? You know, just you, you go around the country dropping bags, shaking hands, going to doing that sort of thing. And then, and then during the games, you just sit on the bench and kind of clap. And then during timeouts, you pull you pull like the point guard of Duke to the side and you tell them about how what you would do in this situation. Mm-hmm. Slap the floor. Yeah. Do you want to do that or do you want to? For six nights a week during college basketball season, sit next to Seth Greenberg. Okay. You tell me, Tate. So I think Jay Williams is going to take the job at Duke. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Smart move by him. So l- let's move on to the other the other big hire. I just want to say Jay Williams. What? It's it's not unprecedented. Hubert Davis just did it. You know, like six, That's what I'm six years ago, and opened the way for Jay Williams. We, we know, and that was the end of college I game day. I guess we don't know, but we're pretty certain that the uh, the the guy is going to be a a guy in the family. I mean, there there aren't a ton of choices. All of them have kind of. All the obvious choices have already kind of dipped their toes in that water. There's like Billis, there's Battier, and there's Jay Will. Who else is there? Paulus comes back home. There's no way that Greg Paulus will ever be back on campus yeah. at Duke. So that's what I'm saying. We're, we 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 don't have a ton of candidates out there. So I don't know. I could I could totally see them just not filling the filling the spot <laughs> on the staff. I could totally see that because what happens is whoever they bring in, if they bring in Jay Williams, he has more clout than Shire. And about, no one on staff can have more clout than the associate head coach, unless they change the title to the associate to the head coach. What about uh, Patino? <laughs> what about Bob Knight? Bo- what about Bob? Be- what about Knight being Bobby? Ba- and they call him Bobby, Bobby Bax. <laughs> what about K- Knight being Guess K's assistant? Back, back, after K was already Knight's assistant. Um, moving on to the other big hire, Chris Mack takes the job at Louisville, leaves his alma mater from Xavier. Uh, we called it on this podcast. How could we have possibly seen this coming? That's what the people want to notate. The answer, as it turns out, is that everybody saw this coming. Um, and and I want to start there because I think that's the funniest part was that Chris Mack tweets out like his goodbye to Xavier fans. It, Xavier is his alma mater. He's been on staff there for a while before he took over as the head coach. Um, this is sort of a shocking thing if you forget that money exists and and all of that. Like if you're just looking from the pure like a guy is coaching his alma mater, he gets them to a number one seed, they win the Big East, why would he possibly leave? The answer is he was making $1.7 million last year. He's going to make like four now. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. But what was funny to me was when he said, 
this was one of the hardest decisions of my, I forget how he ordered, but it was like, basically, I'm so sorry, Xavier fans. This is one of the hardest weeks of my life. This was a very tough decision. He made this decision at the moment that Rick Pitino got fired. Chris Mack was licking his lips like, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was fun. I thought what was fun to me was the way I saw that it was happening. I just saw one tweet. I, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the, you know, scout people or yeah. rivals people or whatever it was. It was like, I have been informed that insert name of random recruit, let's say VJ Newhouse. That person doesn't exist. Let's say <laughs> VJ Newhouse got a call from what used to be Xavier. You yeah, know, yeah. and, and yeah. now they're now they're calling to recruit him to Louisville, and that was like how I first <laughs> how saw those... it. I was like, "Could you imagine so, being this random kid and just being like, I think I kind of like Xavier. Like Cincinnati's right. a really cool city.' And then all of a sudden, the coaches have been like, "This is the best place for you to go. You're gonna love it. Your family's gonna love it. You got to come into the city. Come on down to Cincinnati. We're right on the river." And then they call you and they're like, "We're at Louisville. Do you like KFC? How much do you like KFC? Do you like Taco how those, Bell? How do those conversations go? Like the coach goes, "All right, kid. Remember everything I said about Xavier." I take all of that back and I apply it to Louisville. Why do you think we're leaving? As it turns out, it's all false. But the stuff about Louisville, that's true. Whatever those guys were telling you, just listen to it. They were right the whole time. I love Coach Padgett. Thank God he's out of here, though. We're coming in. We're changing house. You like Patino? You heard about those parties? Jesus. I need to hear those conversations. It's that's so a, that's got to be the most awkward thing. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know how you get away with that. And I, I don't understand if you're the kid or the parents or whoever they're talking or the, whoever they're talking to. How, how you're not just like how do I take anything that you say with the, the, more than a? Great I don't assault? understand how if you're Xavier, you. I, I'm really curious to see how Xavier fans handle. I saw it split. I saw some people like we get it. It's Louisville is the better job. You you kind of had to do what he had to do. So there were some people that were like that. It's like. Because he does the he does the pandering thing in his little message that he tweeted out where he's like, I'm always going to be, you know, as every other former Xavier player and coach and everything else, I'm always going to cheer for you guys when you play. I forget how he, he didn't say Cincinnati. He did the move where it's like, I'm not going to say their name. I'm going to say that team over there yeah, or whatever he called yeah. them. Uh, so he, he did that where it was like, where he's like trying to pander. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. Like if you're a Xavier fan, you're reading it, it's like, oh, yeah, he is one of us, actually. Mm-hmm. he It really did tear him up to do this. Mm-hmm. Um but it did not tear him up at all. It did not tear him up, Tate. So, uh, yeah, this this was a. I guess I guess why I'm kind of surprised is as it turns out, amateur sports <laughs> <laughs> lead to professional decisions. Are, are about money. Mm. It's shocking. Mm. I did not realize this. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> it would be so awesome if a player midway through the season or right after the season is like, you know. I love this universe. I love this place that I went to, but Louisville is paying me more money. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like if a player just could get paid to go to Louisville. Well, speaking, that'd of, be speaking all, of paying players, Louisville has also. There's also like the cloud of Louisville. Yes. having the 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 Brian Bowen situation hanging over their heads. I have no idea what's going to come of that. They've already got a, a title stripped away for the hookers thing. Um, we don't know what probation, what what uh, what postseason bans are going to come or scholarship. Like probably nothing. Like my gut tells me it's kind of over. Like they took the banner down and everyone's like, "Cool." Brian Bowen never played for them, so and then you get rid of Patino. Yeah, and everything's fine. I'm you sure get, they're just going to move pa- forward. And they already sat out one tournament. Right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we don't we don't know that for sure. So like, there's that cloud hanging over it as well. Which and, is like another question is like Chris Mack. How do you know anything? Right. Like how how are you willing to sign a seven year deal? I mean, well, I guess it's easy for four million dollars a year. Okay, okay. twenty eight million. Uh, so my question to you is this, Tate, about uh, the Big East and where they stand, because I think this is 
if if we want to get serious for a second, I think this is a bad look for the entire conference as a whole because in the last two years you have Chris Holtman, who's like this hot, great coach yep. at Butler, yep. up and coming, whatever, leaves to go to Ohio State. Mm. You have Chris Mack at his alma mater, who he has turned not single handedly. I mean, Sean Miller was before him, Thad Mod before him, Skip Prosser. Like there have been a ton of great coaches. Xavier's had a good program before he got there, but he has he has kind of transitioned it as as we've talked about on here, giving it the push from like the A10 day. He's done the transition from the A10 to the Big East to like the Big East power players. They won the damn conference this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if if there was ever a situation where it's like that guy's not leaving, you would think it'd sort of be that, but he leaves because he can make pretty much twice as much money. Four million dollars. Uh, you have Buzz Williams leaving Marquette to go to Virginia Tech. That was a few years ago, but that, that was the first sign. The point, the point I'm yeah. making is like the Big East. They are a major conference. Villanova is probably the best school, the best program in the country in the last five years. On the verge of a dynasty, they have a TV deal with Fox. We're not saying they're not a major conference, but if someone wants to make the argument that they aren't. I think like th- these coaches jumping ship sort of I mean can can like how Jay Wright is the only coach in the Big East at this point who you would say he's not leaving like that's just where he's stuck forever and if you look at all the other power conferences how many other coaches would you say that about a, a, more, a than, lot. more than yes. one yeah yeah yeah, yeah they like you go coaches, through the programs yeah, yeah you go through the programs you're like well that guy would never like you know unless he got fired like that guy's probably going to stay there as long as he can and if I'm, I'm not. I'm not panicking yet. I'm just saying you're start, starting to like see these things, and you're starting to scratch your head. Like, I don't know. Is there something there? There is something there, but the the, the thing that's there is, I think prestige is what people expect you to say. They they expect, well, of course you'll go to Ohio State. Why would you not go to right. Ohio State? It's Ohio State. I mean, you're at Butler, a small school, so you're going to the prestige of Ohio yeah, State, like one of the best programs in the country by far. But you throw that all out the door <laughs> when Buzz Williams is like. I'm going to Virginia Tech. You right. know what I mean? From Marquette. A pro, like, Marquette has become, you know, at that time, everyone's like, I, I really like Marquette. You know, you see what Crean did there. Look what Buzz is doing there. And you got all these NBA players coming out of there. You got Jimmy Butler, this new regime. You got the Dwayne Wade years, all, all that sort of stuff. And he goes to Virginia Tech where there's really no history there except for, you know, our boy Del Curry. That's pretty much what, the only time that he gets mentioned in anything is Virginia Tech, Del Curry. Remember, remember the one year uh, Seth Greenberg was on the bubble? Yeah. Well, remember that year? Every single year. <laughs> every single year, Seth. Uh, so that happens, and then it's like, okay, well, it's about money. Because all these ACC yeah. schools are going to pay you more money, just like $4 million. Right. And all the Big Ten schools, like Ohio State, that has a huge football program, is going to pay you. So the Big East doesn't have the money to pay these guys the same $4 million deal at Louisville, a team that's going to finish, what, fifth or to five to eight range in the ACC, and sometimes going to clip out at, you know, top three every once in a while. Like, you're still getting paid $4 million to do that, to go sit behind North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia every year. You know what I mean? Pretty yeah. good gig. yeah. And, and, that, and I think that they're probably fine to do that. Yeah. It's like, I'll take That's $4 million dollars to finish in seventh place. But I, I don't know how you get around that because Big East fans listening, to that, they're losing their minds right now. They, they already, they've already paused the podcast and mm-hmm. are firing off hate, hateful tweets at us. Um, because there's there's sort of, I don't want to say insecure, but, you know, like the, the Big East was... The old ne- Big East. Need I remind people, mm-hmm. the Big East was a big deal back in the day. You trans, you, you, skin, you cut off some of the, the, the better programs, leave. Some of the good programs stay. You have this new Big East, 
And there's like this sense of like insecurity because they're not on ESPN and ESPN drives college basketball. And like that was what the old, the old Big East basically invented ESPN. And mm-hmm. now they got their own little thing going on over on Fox. But like casual fans aren't necessarily tuning into Big East games. Um, so there, like there, ever since Big East 2.0 came about, there's this, there's been this fight for relevancy from Big East fans and saying like we matter, we're important. Villanova wins the title. And it's like see, we told you we're important. Yeah. They did we the matter. like that. Yeah, and all of that is. I'm totally with you. If you're talking about play on the court, there's no question that the Big East is one of the best conferences of college basketball. I just don't know how you get around this problem that is it's very clearly a problem like that that no other conference is really having. I mean, you wouldn't have it would it would take a very rare instance for like like I guess if you want to point to like Roy leaving Kansas for North Carolina, that's kind of like the equivalent is like you win the Big 12. Like if Bill Self just left the Big 12 and and went to Oklahoma, yeah, if he just went to Oklahoma State, because that's like his. Own, I don't. Mm-hmm. But but Roy was going to his alma mater. Yeah, you he's Chris going home. Mack. He's leaving home. He's leaving home. That's what I mean. That's the, that's the total difference here. It's like that's we've, what's, we've seen the stories where yeah. people go to where they came from or go try to get back whatever they lost in some sort of nostalgic thing, like what Roy did. I, I will say about Chris Mack though, at least there is a little bit of Skip Prosser. Like he went to the ACC. Yeah, when he was with Wake Forest in the ACC, Chris Mack was like, "This is I love this conference. I love being in this conference." I want to get back to the ACC because he went back to an A10 job. I was like, I want to work my way up to get back to an ACC job. So I can see a little bit from a coaching standard generic outlook. Like I'm working my way up the ranks. Now right. I've got my big job. Now I'm going well, back the to point, the ACC. Well, that's the point because it is. I mean, yeah. all these are valid reasons. I'm saying if you're the Big East, though, that's not a that's that's bad. That's a bad look for the Big East, and that's that's a bummer. Like if, yeah, here's a, here's an example for Tony Bennett. Example: Tony Bennett would he go to Texas if Shaka mm-hmm. gets fired? Is Tony Bennett leaving Virginia now that he's won? You know, he he's turned this program into what it is. No, that would never ever possibly happen. So, um, I don't know. The Big East is in a in an interesting situation. Big least <laughs> amount of money that they could offer to their coaches. Um, let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the Final Four. We promise. Tate, if you're into sports, then it is your favorite time of year. Right this second, it's March Madness. Mm. With so many games, you never know what's going to happen. That's why you need to be ready for whatever the next round brings. And make sure your fridge isn't empty by halftime. Swing by Walmart before every game and stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. Coca-Cola is the official fan refreshment of the NCAA. Be ready to watch all the games by picking up Coca-Cola and Powerade all tourney long. NCAA March Madness isn't just one game, it's an entire tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up Coca-Cola, Coke Zero, Sugar, and Powerade. That sounds delicious. Also, we're brought to you by Grasshopper. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, a man drinking a Powerade on his couch, or even or even if you have a side gig, let me introduce you to Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Grasshopper lets you run your business from your cell phone while keeping your business and personal lives separate. Choose from the huge inventory of local toll-free or vanity toll-free numbers. Simply forward your new number to your mobile phone and start taking calls immediately. Whether you are in an office, in your car, or out running errands, Grasshopper's iPhone and Android apps help you stay connected to your customers. I will say this, Grasshopper really helped me out. I can I can separate things in life. You know, I got a little personal time, a little business time. That's what you need, Titus. Uh, Grasshopper, sign up today. Go to grasshopper.com slash shining to get $20 off your first month. That's grasshopper.com slash shining. But wait, there's more, Tate. Wow. The Duffel Bag Boys are cashing checks this week. I want to talk to you, Tate, about getting a good night's sleep. Mm. Do you realize that it's more than having a great mattress? 
where you rest your head matters just as much. And while pillows have always been a mattress company's afterthought at Pluto Pillow, they are the focus. I've told you many times, you foolishly did not cash in on your offer to get a free Pluto Pillow when they Kyle reached out to it. you. Kyle you, got it. Oh, you gave it to Kyle? Yeah, that was Kyle nice got of you. It. That's a good guy move. Yeah, thanks. Good guy move. Thanks. Um, I did cash in on my offer. I love my Pluto Pillow. I've been sleeping out in Los Angeles without it. it it's driving me nuts. I've not had a good night's sleep. I'm ready to get back home and use my Pluto Pillow again. It is designed with supportive inner core and plush outer casing. Pluto Pillows offer for both support and cushioning comfort, not to mention they are breathable, temperature regulating, and always bounce back. The last piece of the puzzle is you. So instead of testing dozens of options at your local store or buying a one-size-fits-all pillow, opt for a pillow that is individually personalized to you based on your body stats, how you sleep, and what you like. Just go to PlutoPillow.com, that's P-L-U-T-O, to answer a quick questionnaire and receive a pillow built for you and your unique sleep profile. You'll have 100 nights to test your pillow in the comfort of your own bed. Be sure to enter code ONESHINING for $20 off. That's PlutoPillow.com and enter the offer code ONESHINING for $20 off your Pluto Pillow today. Back to the podcast. All right, Tay, we're back. Let's talk about the Final Four. Uh, that's what's coming up. That's what people are, are pulling their hair out, wondering why it took so long for us to get here at this point. Um, why, why are we talking about coaching hires? when the final four is coming up. Uh, I want to start with this. We got a lot of flack. Because we're different. Yeah, because we're, di- yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. We get, we get we get a lot of flack for uh, <laughs> our, our handling of Loyola. Um, a lot of people frustrated. I think, uh, w- wondering why we're, we're carrying the banner for the Blue Bloods, why we don't appreciate the underdogs, why we don't appreciate the, the fun stories of the tournament. Um, I think I want to start by defending our us. And I want to say, Loyola is very, very good at basketball. And what makes Loyola different, when, when when you and I were complaining about the tournament and how some of the quality of play has not been great and the officiating has been terrible and the reviews take forever and we didn't get to see the matchups that we wanted, none of that is to take away from what Loyola is doing. It was more uh, just, for me, it was more of like those matchups. But I will concede that Loyola is a great team. They're fun to watch. They play great offense. My my concern was not with them. It's not like I I I'm frustrated that Loyola has made the Final Four. It was more that like some of these other teams, like the bracket, like UMBC beating Virginia was a fun story, but like Buffalo beating Arizona, that pissed me off. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Fun for Buffalo that they were pulling shots out of their ass that night, but I really wanted to see Arizona Kentucky. Um, I really wanted to see Michigan State Duke because Syracuse. There's a great example. Syracuse is not an underdog. I wanted to see North Carolina. Michigan. I'm never. I'm never against the. Uh, the the under I'm never against like this we, we don't have like a blue blood bias we have a good basketball bias mm-hmm. so if you're if you're a good basketball team I will support you I I supported Wichita State when they went undefeated that year I thought Gonzaga was the best team in the country last year um, I enjoy all this and I say all that to say I I want to make it clear I think Loyola has a very good team and I, I'm kind of with Seth Davis I think they have a chance at winning the national championship. <laughs> They have a chance. There's a 25% chance. I will say this. I agree with you. You did this nice diatribe, but this yeah. is all tribalism. They just want you to get involved in this. They want, to get, they want us to get in the glut of this. I'll give you some loyal effects. One, Jerry Harkness. People forget. Won a national title. Great player for Loyola. I'm giving them some nice things. They haven't heard any of this from anyone else. Because nobody knows anything about Loyola. Right. That's the reason we kept talking about it. Because everyone just kept bringing up Sister Jean because they didn't want to talk about the team. Largest margin of victory in the NCAA tournament ever. Loyola. First round over Tennessee Tech. 69 points. Nice. I'm giving they, you facts. They won by 69 69 again? points. 
That's the, the, first the largest margin of victory in the tournament history, 1963. So, Loyola, those are some facts I gave for you. I can barely even say your name half the time. It just, like, vomits Loyola. out of my mouth. And I just will say this. I'm sorry for what happened. I'm sorry I didn't cover Kurtwig. I'm sorry I didn't bring up Towns enough. I'm sorry I didn't talk about Ingram and how great he's been. I'm sorry... I'm sorry. We need to do. We need to restructure the pod next year and how we talk about the mid majors because, like, people just people get in such a tizzy that you and I spend too much time. I, th- I think what happens was we were upset with the tournament and the product because we'd been watching the games all year and was we were hoping for something better, and we took it out on these guys, and that's yeah. not fair. Yeah, we didn't mean to. Yeah, we didn't mean to take it out. It's on not your fault. It's not. Yeah. We'll do the Robin Williams thing. It's not your fault. So, take my question then. One more thought on Loyola. Uh, and and hopefully this was enough time we spent on Loyola. God God knows that we'll, we'll we'll get people upset that we should have spent more time on Loyola. But my question to you is: Do you feel like this is something that is sustainable from Loyola? Do you think Loyola's program has arrived on the national stage? Do you think this is a, a pivotal moment in the program's history that we will remember this? We will look back in twenty years after Loyola has made two more Final Fours. And we'll be like, man, it all started back in 2018. Or do you think this is a flash in the pan, George Mason situation where they ascend to the top and then no one ever hears from them again? I think history repeats itself, and that's just how it goes sometimes. Loyalists made it back to the Final Four. They did it before. Yeah. Back in a time that I don't even, you know, we couldn't even watch a basketball tape from 1963 and say it looks anything like basketball today. So that's exciting for Loyola. I think the thing you take away is that you have a great coach who seems to be all in on the program. Yeah, he does. That's that's the one thing I think is good for Loyola. Is yeah. I don't know if they're going to keep him. We've had no reports that Porter Moser's on the phone with people trying to, to Famous last out. words is like, the coach loves the place and he's going to stay. I mean, as soon as you say that, and then before you know it, snap of a finger, he's gone. But... I'm just saying he's not doing the Dan Hurley thing where like he he's got feelers out in the world right. and everyone's like Dan Hurley really has some interest and in this job. Do you think part of that? Hold on, conspiracy, Sister Jean conspiracy. Here mm. we go. Here we go. Sister Jean exists to take attention away from Porter Moser, so that Porter Moser does not leave Loyola. Sister Jean has. I'll take it one step further. She's a S- deflection. She has nothing to do with Loyola. Mm. She's a hired gun, mm. a hired nun. Mm. <laughs> She's a higher nun. She, Son of a. Someone in Loyola just found an old woman, mm. said, like, paid, dr- dropped a bag, told her to come sit in a wheelchair and throw the scarf around your neck. So you're telling me a Walmart greeter is now yes. the face of college yes. basketball? Yes. That's, my, that's the one I'm going with. And the whole point was that they knew they had a good team this year. They won the Missouri Valley mm. regular season. They won the Missouri Valley tournament. Did you ever hear about Sister Jean before this NCAA tournament started? No. She didn't exist. As you said, she was like working at a Walmart. She's like Slash. You Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. That's where they found her. Um, they bring her in to deflect, put all the attention on her. Now no no one even knows that Peter Moser, that's that's not even his real name. They don't even know. You could, you could call him Peter Moser. We could call him like John Richardson, and people would be like, oh, yeah, John Richardson. Yeah, yeah coach of really Loyola. Good, really good. Great coach, Did that you guy. hit five threes in that yeah. game? <laughs> like, no one, no one knows anything about these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially, and even, even if you do know about the players— you, you know, no one seems to be talking about Porter Moser, and that's a deflection because now these these other schools, these ads who you know you know ads cannot resist like ads at schools who have just fired a coach. Look at coaches who win two NCAA tournament games at mid majors. Mm-hmm. The way that referees look at offensive foul calls, like they just can't resist them. They're just like it's 
And sometimes it works. I can't like resist Beard, it works. Yeah. Like sometimes these guys come out of nowhere. AD's just foam at the mouth for the opportunity mm-hmm. to hire the guy. Like Andy Infield, the hot young coach. Andy Infield wins two games at Florida mm-hmm. Gulf Coast. USC backs up the dump truck, and they're like, "Please, please, we'll do anything. We need those two NCAA tournament wins." Um, and I think Loyola was smart enough to know that was going to happen with Porter Moser, so they have Sister Jean take all the attention. That's my theory. <laughs> That's an amazing theory. That's it. The good thing about her being a Walmart greeter too is that it's always low prices. So if you're going to go to the Ramblers, <laughs> you're going to get lowballed. Yeah, by so, Sister uh, Jean. To the larger point, I think Porter Moser stick, could stick around, like you said, because uh, we're not hearing the scuttle. But I'm sure, as we're saying this, Xavier's on the phone with him right now. And they're like, hey, we need a coach. Come coach us. And that's going to be a done deal. Like the second they lose in the Final Four to Michigan, we're going to find out that he, he's going to be the on the phone. story. He's going to be on the phone telling the recruits, everything I said about Loyola, forget that. <laughs> it's about Xavier now. <laughs> Chicago sucks. Cincinnati's good. <laughs> um, yeah, he's going to do that. But yeah, it, they're, they're in a position where like they can they can – yeah, if you have a, I think that's the key to like sustaining the success is keeping the coach, keeping like the framework, having the coach because no one cares about the program. No, you know, it's it, it. No one wants the coach to come in and be like, "Hey, come to this school because a few years ago a different coach with a different set of guys did this thing that I'm going to now try to take credit for." But if it's a coach, it's like Porter Moser's coming into your living room saying, "I believe in Loyola so much. I went to the Final Four with them. I'm still here." Come play for me. That's a that's a sell. Maybe they uh, start landing those Chicago kids. Yeah, Chicago needs a team. So. They need a face. They need a program. Here it is. Chris Collins is the one that should be worried. That's enough about uh, Loyola. Let's move on to their opponent, <laughs> um, Michigan. And the hot question, no one can resist it. We te- we talked about it a little bit on the pod, but I want to revisit it for real. Why do people throw up the X when Xavier Simpson checks in? Yes. <laughs> no. I don't get it. Why is, is John Beeline better than Tom Izzo? Michigan fans are just they 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 are beside themselves right now. They for some reason this is like they're they're this is more important to the, like if they could get national media to to admit that Beeline is better than Izzo, at that point they'd only need to win the national championship. They just want everyone to say Tom Izzo is actually a March fraud and John Beeline is the March wizard all along. But I think that's the wrong approach because it it reminds me of another situation. It's like Coach K and Roy Williams. You got. One guy who was considered, you know, this this savant at basketball, the man that you p- want to coach your team, the best coach in college basketball. Then you have this other guy who's a little unassuming, kind of gets thrown out there and thrown under the bus at times when things go awry. Everyone's like, oh, my God, Beeline, what are you doing? What are yeah. you doing with this team, Beeline? Does Beeline have a transfer problem? What's going on at Michigan? Why can't they get the guys right. to go there? You know, he has, like, all this stuff always hovering around. But then when he does well, everyone's like, why haven't we been talking about Beeline? Yeah. You know, like what's been going on? One with of the Beeline? most underappreciated coaches in the country, this guy. And I yeah. think that's where Michigan's at, where they they just want to to soak in the credit, but yeah. don't get lost up in that. You know, you don't yeah. need any of that. Like let let Izzo have all that. You know, his eight Final Fours and all that sort of stuff. You're fine. Yeah, it's, you don't it, like Izzo's his own entity. You don't want to be a part of that. You don't want that attention either. Yeah, like part of what makes Michigan so good is that they are they fly under the radar ish. Mm-hmm. And they peak at the, you know, like Michigan, no one in, in January and February, no one really has their eye on Michigan. In late February, people start like, oh, Michigan, they're coming around here. That's how you want it. You don't want to, you don't want John Beeline to have this reputation as I'm a wizard in March because inevitably he's going to let you down. And it's going to get thrown back in and your face. It's, like it's it is right now. Face, yeah. You don't want to be three years from now where Beeline loses in the second round to Dan Hurley and UConn, an upstart program that's an eight seed. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh my God. Beeline. He has just, he lost he, his he's touch? Like, lost his touch. Yeah. Has he lost his touch? Can his system work in the modern game? Is, is John Beeline's system, should we get rid of his system? That's the... Will they play defense? Can they? Yeah. Even though they do play defense now. That's um, the good news for Michigan. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think Michigan fans should get worked up about that. I'm with you. I think I think they're in a good spot right now. I think Beeline, you know, he he's everyone loves him now at Michigan, but but don't take it too far. Just just enjoy enjoy the moment. Enjoy what you're in right now. Enjoy let Harbaugh like you're a football school. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're always gonna be the football school. Have that sort of thing with Harbaugh. Like try to get Harbaugh pushed to the top as like the he's the best, whatever, and I don't know. But don't you don't need any pressure on your basketball coach. You don't want that. And Beeline kind of is a good, like, I kind of, like, Thad is sort of the same way. When I think of Thad, you know, being in a Michigan yeah. or Ohio State, it's like a good number two guy to have as your basketball program. And right. they really look like they enjoy when they win, like, with the team. Like, we even saw after the game. I mean, we were in the locker room. You know, people forget that that happened. We were in there. We saw Beeline with the team. And right. It was just like this euphoric moment. You could tell the guys really like him. He enjoyed being around the team. It's like just it. It, it doesn't feel like a like a. He's a players' coach. Yeah, exactly. He's a players' coach. One hundred percent. As lame as that is to say, I mean that's that's just who the guy is. Yeah, I mean Beeline. So this is his second Final Four now, as you said. Um, and he he's won. I think this this year was his second Big Ten tournament championship. Mm-hmm. He's won a couple Big Ten championships. So yeah, as as you said, like he keeps he keeps on this path. I think he is going to catch that Mata and and all the things that that did. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Person- I went personality wise. I think I think when you match the accolades between mm. that and, and Beeline, mm. um, not that that not was that, for you. I threw that out that there. I, not that I'm upset, uh, Ohio State fans, but this guy that everyone is crowning <laughs> as like the greatest coach, the greatest March coach who has ever lived. Now, uh, if you if you actually like stack up the trophies he's won since he got to Michigan versus the trophies that that model won at Ohio State, he's still comes up short. But you know, it was time, Tate. It was time. We had to fire him. We had to fire him. It was time. KBD. Uh, so the Villanova storyline that uh, I keep saying, or I don't know why I keep saying storyline, but like the thing that seems people seem to be latching onto, or maybe it's just showing up in my purview. Um, Will Jay Wright wear the pinstripe suit again? Is that what they're saying? What is Jay Wright? Yeah. I think mm. he's gotten away from the like the he's criminal gangster the Al Capone, Al Pacino look. Yeah, it's a bad look. You can't. It's tough to do that in today's time. He was trying to. He was trying to look the part for yeah. so long. Now he is the part. Mm-hmm. So now he doesn't need to do the pin. He was doing the pinstripes when he's trying to build the program. He's like, look at look how fly I look. Mm-hmm. And now it's like perfectly tailored. You can't be landing great. You, you can't be landing the Javon Keenerly guy, Quinterly, however you say his name. Mm-hmm. You can't be landing him and wearing pinstripes. That's that's just a bad look. That's a that's a very bad look. Um, but the question I keep seeing. Is people are talking about this being the greatest Villanova basketball team of all time, and the candidates are basically the last five years of Villanova <laughs> and the 1985 and team, yeah, yeah. which no I, one will ever say at Villanova that anything is better than 85. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say <laughs> I'm going like, to tell you right now they're going to try to find to have it both ways. <laughs> but you can't say they're like, not going to say anything's better than 85. The reason the 85 story is so awesome is that that team was not good. And yeah, they just pulled. They, they pulled shots they out of their the ass. First, like, against, to win the yeah, title against, against Georgetown. Yeah. So you can't have that be true and also say they were the best team. But uh, yeah, you're right. They'll, they'll find a way. Um, That's exactly what. So my question do. to you though is: th- Is this team better than like the 2016 team that won the national title? Is this team better than the 2015 team that was a one seed and looked like one of the best teams all year? I think it sort of depends how you evaluate Archie Diacono yeah. as a senior and how you evaluate Jalen Brunson as a senior right now and how you look at him as a freshman. To me, I was way more afraid of Jalen Brunson when he was there in 2016 when they won the title. Interesting. Than than you are now? Than I am now, for sure. What? Yes. Brunson, Booth, 
and Bridges in that game. Now, Bridges is a different story. Bridges. Are you and, not scared of them because Carolina's not playing? Is that what you're trying <laughs> to say? <laughs> no. I thought Brunson, I don't know. Now he, he's sort of like kind of the, I don't know, with, with the four-year point guards when they get down to this, like they almost seem like weathered and war. It's like a running back, you know? It's <laughs> like four weathered. like four years into it. You guys national player of the year. <laughs> That's what they say. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Brunson uh, early on. I, Bridges now is obviously a scarier duo. Uh, then you have the DiVincenzo. I think Echefu is a lot better than Spellman, and they're they're like they're they were the quintessential Villanova team that the team that won the title, where it's like Echefu is your one big man in the middle, and then you have these four guys right. around this team. I feel like Spellman is just another guy that can shoot threes too, like Pascal. Yeah. I don't know the pieces on this team. They seem like they have more pieces where they can like be versatile and throw guys around and do weird lineups. And DiVincenzo is this a supreme offensive whatever weapon that they have. I don't know. I I think the I think the title team is better. So I guess the the it's really for me the four team. It's the twenty fifth twenty fifteen was the team that I thought was unbelievable. That, that was, was the, the NC State team. That was the team that lost NC State in the yes. second round. The uh, Darren Hilliard Javon Pinkston team. Mm-hmm. That was the, that team. Then you had the title team in twenty sixteen. The twenty seventeen team, as we know, is Josh Hart Chris Jenkins team, and then this team that we have currently seen. So those are like the four. Just to give people a framework. Eleven and one during that run. They lose to Wisconsin. It's the only game. I think what makes, as you said, Spellman kind of makes this team like I'm buying I when I when I hear people bring it up, I couldn't believe that this was the discussion because Villanova didn't even win the the Big East this year. They didn't win their conference. They kind of like they had some close games in the Big East tournament. That and I don't think it's a conversation. But oh, you don't really think it's a conversation? No. I was gonna come back around and say I actually, I'm, I'm buying into this being the best team because because of Spellman. I think like it's almost like Jay Wright was. I, I guess you could throw in like the 09 team as well. The, See, I was going to say the 05 team with Lowry. The I think Lowry team. might that team should have beat Carolina that year in the Elite Eight. They were up eight points with like six minutes left to go in that in game. 09? No, in 05. In 05. In 05. Oh, the Lowry team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Lowry team. I, I was like, how do you stop these guys? Like, they're, they're they played like Carolina in 09 too, right? Yeah, in the Final Four. With, and that one didn't go well. No, that was a blowout. No one was being that 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, it was unfair. Um, but the thing I think, like this team that makes them so good, is just the positionless basketball. And I think that's the reason people are losing their minds over them. I, they're not as good defensively as the other teams, but I also think they know they don't have to be. So they can, they have, when you're center, again, I, I said this on the last podcast, when you have a center who can step out and he doesn't just step out and shoot threes, he catches with a guy that's like, a foot off of him. It's like Ryan Anderson in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. It's like he they just swing, they swing all, it to him. Yeah. And all one motion, just get, doesn't even think about it and goes up and shoots it. And then you have a point guard who's backing guys down, making post moves. And everyone in between can do all of that. Um, you have a completely dangerous offense. And then you bring DiVincenzo off the bench. Like all of these things jump out to me. Uh, I think the answer is last year's team if Spellman played. That is the answer. That is the That is the ultimate answer. Because then you get everybody. Because then you right. get Hart and Jenkins. That, the reason I can't say this team is because I feel like Hart and Jenkins like set up all these other guys a little bit. It's like they're missing two other pieces. How about uh, Jay Wright getting? I'm, I'm also seeing people talk about how Jay Wright is uh, kind of invented the positionless basketball. And he well, he's become yeah. He's isn't this amazing that the 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 spin on Jay Wright's career that we've had in these last few years. Not it's, that not that it's not unwarranted. I don't mean to say that. It's just like the same people that were making the uh, the Sweet Sixteen. CBS studio jokes in the second like he's going to be in CBS studio because he can never win and all that stuff those same people are now like 
you know, Jay Wright was kind of ahead of his time with the with the Corey team, with the Corey and Corey team, and they would they would play four guards around one, and, and like, people would always say that's why he can't win because yeah. all he does is he right. shoots too many threes. They For don't the have any time, inside presence. Yeah. They can't get any easy buckets. They can't get to the rim. And then the, those people were like, uh, "Those of you who said that Villanova would die by the three, I bet you feel like <laughs> assholes now." And it's like, you mean yourself? Or? It's like we pull up their archive from <laughs> yeah. 2011. It's like you said that. Wait, you said that? <laughs> Are you writing to yourself? Um. Yeah, that's the, that's the question about Villanova. Are they the greatest? I I think. Uh, yeah, they won a national title. I I'm, I think I'm buying into it. Just, especially the way they're playing right now. Like they're is they're Jay off- is Jay Wright going to get credit for this version of basketball the same way that Patino gets credit for the Providence teams and the three point revolution? Because yeah. that's really the question. Because if he does, that's a winner forever. Because Patino will never what? stop talking about Billy Donovan and that Providence team. My question is, what is what does Villanova look like next year? Because so Bridges is gone. Brunson's probably gone, right? Mm-hmm. Spellman is back, probably. Yes. Pascal's, I think, a redshirt junior. Yeah, redshirt uh, junior. So, who, DiVincenzo, he's, he's coming back for sure. Yep. He wants to start. He's a redshirt sophomore. So, we're yeah. going to have Spellman, Pascal, DiVincenzo, Booth's coming back. Yep, Booth's coming back for a senior year. And then you got Cosby, Roundtree. Cosby, Roundtree, and Gillespie. So, so, you're going to have... Archie Diacono, 2.0 Basically, Gillespie, they're yeah. losing Bridges and Brunson, probably. Mm-hmm. You're throwing DiVincenzo into the starting lineup. You're adding the five-star recruit. Quinterly. Quinterly. You're bringing... <laughs> Kinnerly. Keen, Keen, Queen, Queen, I, I, I don't remember his name. Uh, you're bringing Cosby, Roundtree, Gillespie. That's a good basketball team, Tate. Villanova's <laughs> not going anywhere. Yeah. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this question. Mm. Is next year's Villanova team the greatest, the greatest Villanova all team of all time? <laughs> the greatest Villanova team who's ever existed. I don't know. Um, first, they have to get by Kansas, though. What, what do you want to talk about with Kansas? I want to talk about Bill Self uh, making it, finally. He we, did it. Like, he finally did it. We've been, you know, I was not even going to talk about the Big 12 next season after what Kansas did this year where they kind of mailed it in, but then somehow won the Big 12 anyway. Um, I was ready to write them off. I thought they had no inside presence. They had the whole Billy Preston mystery the entire year, kind of hovering over the program. They get DeSosa to come in. Azubuki has the injuries. We're not really sure what he's going to be for this team. Graham has these little cold streaks. Vic, you can't really depend on him. Sfi is Sfi. You know, he's going to shoot a lot of shots, but sometimes, you know, as we know, they don't go in. This Kansas team had all the questions in the world, and somehow when it got down to the tournament, they played tough. They played good basketball. They didn't choke. Every single like you always felt like Kansas got in their heads yeah. in these games, especially Bill Self got in his head and he started kind of overcoaching down the stretch at times. And when he went against K, for whatever reason, he had that reserve and calm that you need to win a title. It feels like it could be Kansas. Yeah, this but year. if if Grayson's shot would have gone in, I bet you wouldn't be saying any of this. You'd be talking about how Self was an idiot and how he self combusted. Yeah, how yeah self combusted mm-hmm. and. How convenient that you can say that just because Grayson's shot didn't go in, Tate. If if Grayson's shot goes in, we're talking about how Kay was a genius. When Grayson's shot went in and out, it was the first time I ever believed in karma and the universe <laughs> being right for things. You know, like after all those trips, I'm mocking the people that are uh, that that came at us for uh, for on on our, our reaction pod. We said that self put clown shoes on K that game with his coaching decisions because K, let's face it, was reacting to every single thing Kansas was doing. It was not proactive in any decision he made that entire game. And people said, you're being way too harsh. If if Grayson Allen makes the shot, you would not say any of this. To which I say, if Svi Mikhailuk makes one of the seven wide-open three-pointers he had that could have served and as the dagger. Svee. Yeah. No like, good. If we're doing the what-if game with shots— I don't know. I'm going to say the guy who has a reputation as a three-point shooter, if he makes his wide-open threes, then 
The only thing I'll say is that Coach K did not have clown shoes on. He had Kyrie's on, and they are made by Nike, (laughs) and you can go buy some. Um, Yeah, so I'm not playing the what-if game. We we, we didn't talk about Grayson enough on the last button. Let's not get back into Duke. Let's yeah, not get who, back yeah, into Duke. Yeah, yeah. Let's not we get back care. into Duke. Don't yeah, get back into Duke. Yeah. Don't do it. I almost, we I almost took the about bait. players that are actually in college basketball, not NBA players or G League players or uh, abroad players. I almost took the bait. So uh, Bill Self has. I, I'm with you. This Kansas team. It's 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 pretty interesting. Someone asked me, "Is this Kansas team like one of the most unheralded? Like un? I don't know what the word would be. Uh, but but a one seed. Like has, has there ever been a one seed who won their conference? Won their conference tournament, beat a team in the Elite Eight in the fashion that they did. That had was loaded like Duke was, and still they're entering the like the, the question. As an underdog, the, the question you have is like, can they beat Villanova? Mm-hmm. Like no one, no one's excited about Kansas at all, even though they just gave us the best game of the tournament. And that's like a fascinating spot. And I think it has a lot to do with what we what we already talked about. Where Self kind of like set the stage where he didn't believe in his team all year, and he's like, you know, he called him soft. Yeah, he called him soft and all that kind of stuff. But it is a fascinating thing to think. If you would have told me at any point in the last 15 years that there would be a Kansas team that but, would... But what happened when they won in 08? It was the exact same thing. The expectations weren't there because every single person wanted to talk about UCLA, but they had they had Collison and Westbrook, this two-point guard lineup we had never seen before. And then you had North Carolina, who had Tyler Hansborough, who was the National Player of the Year, and they had this amazing team with Wayne Ellington, Ty Lawson. Everyone was talking about North Carolina, how they're going to blow out Kansas. Who's Darrell Arthur? Who's Cole right. Aldridge? How are they going to stop this team? And then you had Memphis, Memphis. and you had Derrick Rose, you have Chris Douglas Roberts, you have Calipari, he gets to his first Final Four with Memphis. Can he win the title? Nobody talked about Kansas. Nobody talked talked about Mario. Maybe they mentioned Chalmers a little bit, but somehow Kansas just waltzed in there, kind of under the radar, didn't have yeah. any pressure, and that's when they thrive. I think what where happens was, to Kansas, they're always too high profile. Where was that Final Four, by the way? San Antonio. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, producer Kyle liked that one. He was mm. like, hmm, interesting. And interesting. I really, I do, it feels very similar, and this Villanova team feels yeah. similar to that North Carolina team that year in that everyone, National Player of the year. everyone has been saying this entire time, like, Villanova is the best team. They're going to make the title game. We yeah. know that. You know, even though Virginia's had this great season, we know Villanova's the best. And that was sort of how that year was. I don't know. I like, I like it. I like the parallels you're drawing there. Do you want to uh, take like 30 seconds? Maybe maybe I'll give you a minute just because it's a, a, more of a laid back podcast um, to glow about how last year on Teed Up, rest in peace, our, our old podcast, uh, you famously said you believed that Devontae Graham was better than Frank Mason mm-hmm. and that Frank Mason was holding him back. And it was one of the most preposterous things I've ever heard anyone say. Um, and then you doubled down heading into this mm. season and you said, I do believe that Devontae Graham is better than Frank Mason. And the only reason he didn't show it last year is because Frank Mason was just basically taking the ball from him. And now that Frank Mason's out of his way, Devontae Graham's going to explode. It was just as preposterous when you said it at the beginning of the year. Would you like to take a minute, Tate, and just spike the football and throw it back in everyone's face who doubted you and said that you don't know anything about college basketball. I just want to shout out Devontae Graham's mom and all the people that were wearing the Broughton High School jersey. That was cool. Devontae Graham, Broughton High School. Broughton High School is one of the nicest high schools. I was never able to go on campus. I was never able to set foot there. I just looked from afar. It was like Hogwarts, you know. It's this beautiful school. But I knew about this kid, Devontae Graham, that played there. I watched a couple, you know, highlights and stuff. He went to App State. He transfers from App State to Kansas. I'm like, man, that's a pretty big move. For so this he's kid. from North Carolina. He's from Raleigh. Oh, he's from he's from North Carolina, <laughs> like the university, like where the University of North, the same state, yeah. the University he of North grew Carolina. Up a fan is? of North Carolina. Hmm, interesting. Um, 
I believe. He grew in up Devontae. a fan of. Oh, interesting. I, be, I believed in Devontae, and I can't believe it all worked out well. He deserved a Final Four. He. I just like guys that sit and wait their time. Not you know, unlike Jeff Capel, who didn't sit <laughs> and wait his time for Coach K to leave. You know. No, you were. I'm he, happy for Devontae. No, in all seriousness, Tate, you were right. Congratulations. No, no one, I don't, actually, no one I don't, will ever say that again. Actually, I don't know if you were right. I don't know if I don't know if Devontae is better than Frank. Frank Frank was pretty good, but but you were you were close enough that he's having a great. Who's year. in the Final Four? <laughs> That's the question. How many Final Fours did Frank get to? Yeah, that's a great. That's a great point. Come this on, is, this is like your Marcus Page, uh, Joel Berry thing. Joel Berry, it's thing. the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah, that's why. That's why I compare. Can we get an early? What, what's your What's your next? Uh, do, do we ha- Do we have one lined up? Devonte Kaycock is a top fifteen <laughs> NBA pick. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he won't get picks, but he is a top fifteen pick. Um, congratulations, Kansas! You made the Final Four. Congratulations, Villanova! You've made the Final Four. Congratulations, Loyola! You've made the Final Four. And congratulations, Michigan! Go You've Michigan. made the Final Four. We're, we're cheering for Michigan more than the other teams. We've talked about all four teams. Mm. I think we've we've done our duty here, Tate. We are we are tapped out on resources. When when we talk about the Final Four again, we are going to wait until we get to San Antonio, till we touch down. Till we walk the river walk. That's mm. the thing to do. That's mm. my favorite thing about San Antonio is that the the two things that everyone says you got to do are stare at an old building that we fought a, we fought a bunch of Mexicans in a war one time. Is it the against. Alamo? Yeah, you mm. stare at that, and then you're like, oh, it's smaller than I thought it would be, and you do that, and you also walk by a river and just kind of look around, and you, you get everyone's like, you got to do the river walk, you know. And you're like, what is that? And they're like, well, it's just this, you know, the river and they got the shops. And you're like, so what do you actually do? And they're like, you just kind of walk. You just, you walk the river. It's like, oh, this sounds fun. <laughs> I remember in 08 when Barkley was there and they were talking about the Final Four last time in San Antonio. He made some joke about how it was the o- big, like most obese city in the country. And all yeah. these San Antonio people got really pissed off at him. <laughs> I don't mean to and degrade. I, yeah, I'm I not can't wait. To, I can't wait to see what he says this year. I'm not trying to degrade San Antonio. I, I had a fun time last time I was there on the path to the Final Four in 2007 where I was a player for Ohio State and we went to the Final Four in 2007. We went through San Antonio. Mm. I had a fun time. Um, so I'm I drove through San Antonio on the way to California. I'm excited to go back. It's just funny that uh, those seem to be the two things to do. So, so if you're if you're familiar with the San Antonio area, please reach out to us. We really do us. enjoy talking to people. The about one thing the we do have to do there mm-hmm. is Tate and I will be covering the three on three tournament. We will be uh, the, for those who are, are out of the loop. The, the I almost said the NCAA. The NCAA is very much not doing <laughs> yes, this. No. The NCAA if they were, we'd have some this. real problems. Yeah, you can't do have, this blatantly. Um, a company called Intersport has asked Tate and I to come uh, uh, basically be the sideline reporters for this three-on-three mm-hmm. tournament that they're doing with seniors from around the— all the seniors that played in college basketball this year are eligible. Uh, they're, they're setting the teams up by conference. Um, so They asked every single sideline reporter that you can think of. Yep. They asked Aaron Andrews. They, they went down the list, and then they got to us. So could imagine— and, how tough they that arrived was. at us. We rented tuxedos. Mm-hmm. We're going to that. We're excited about that. We're going to be wearing our tuxedos yes. as we're calling these games. Um, Which is very fitting because Step Brothers came out in 2008. The last time the Final Four was in oh San Antonio gosh. was 2008. And it's, so it all, like it all yeah. kind of works out. So there you have it. That's what we're going to be doing in San Antonio. Uh, do reach out to us, though. We'd, we'd love to meet some people. We, we wanted to do like sort of a live podcast down in San Antonio because we are going to do one from San Antonio. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do a live one, but then we kind of stared at each other and we're like, what if only like six people show up? That would be that would be absolutely humiliating. So 
Um, our egos are too big. Like if anything less than 20,000 people showed up, I would like cry and I'd be like, oh, I thought I was more famous. What happened? Why don't we just do a podcast at the game and we act like that's all yeah, of our fans. Like, wow. So as they cheer, we just <laughs> pat ourselves people. on the back. Look at all these people that showed up. Uh, but we will do doing a podcast. We'll be out mingling, rubbing elbows with the with the movers and the shakers of the college mm-hmm. basketball world. So if you consider yourself to be one of those, uh, reach out to us. Hopefully we see you down there. Um, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. We'll, we'll have a pod coming out Friday. You got anything else before we go, Tate? Uh, just shout out to the Big East in the three-on-three tournament. I just want to look at that roster real quick. Desi Rodriguez, Trayvon yeah. Blewett, or Trevon. Trevon. Trevon Blewett. <laughs> Trevon Blewett. 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 Uh, J.P. Makura. Yeah. I mean, it's a great squad. Like, all three of those guys. Andrew two, Rousey, right? Andrew Rousey from Marquette, uh, one of our favorite programs. So we're definitely going to be watching that. that. That's good for the Big East, because I feel like they're going to be upset yeah. that we we said some things about the their conference. The Big East are the heavy favorites yes. in this. Uh, the 3 tournament will make up for it. Your Carolina boys cowardly backed out. Grayson Allen backed out. He, no, he no, called no, no, everyone. No, 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 no. Grayson was the first person they called. I'm not he letting said, you deflect. I would never play. The, the story I heard was they reached out to the Carolina guys. They said, we want you to play in this three-on-three thing. The Carolina guys being Joel... Barry and Theo Pinson. Mm-hmm. And they both said, we made a pact at the start of the year that the entire team was going to go to San Antonio. And we don't, we wouldn't feel right if it was just us two. Say something, Tate. Defend, is that, is that really, boys. is that really what they said? I think, I don't know. I might've made that up. I hope that's what they said. That's actually a great answer. That actually makes me happy. That That's team where I was putting the team first. Classic Carolina. So my, my response is, why don't you just bring the whole team and have them watch, have them cheer you on? Yeah, no, <laughs> we're okay. We're okay. Uh, we'll so Carolina cowardly backed out. The Big Ten has a, the, I think the favorite is the Big East. Yeah. Obviously, because we, we just read their roster. The Big Ten also has a pretty good team with Jay Sean Tate, Vince Edwards, Robert Johnson, Nate Mason. I like that squad. But uh, And we have two we'll Jonathan see. Williams. We have Jonathan Williams from VCU. Shout out to Jonathan Williams from VCU. And Jonathan one. Williams from Gonzaga. We should have an interview with Jonathan Williams. And we'll just, keep, play we'll just keep saying Jonathan. We'll see what happens. Uh, Final Four coming up. We're excited. We'll do another pod Friday. Keep your eyes peeled for that one. In the meantime, save the crew. Tate, one more thing before we go. TheRinger.com has... Merchandise, exciting stuff. You can go on the ringer.com. You can go to you the can ringer. You can get your friend of the program shirt. Yep. You can get your good guy, bad guy shirt. You, you can get, get your, your people forget shirt. You, you can get, get your, your I remember teed up shirt. We are the 7% shirt. Get your make shots shirt versus you can get your bad matchup shirt. Mm hmm. You can get you can get good guy bad guy Kyle guy shirts yes. at, at the ringer.com. You can get a fat head of Kyle guy proposing. We have so much. Wait. Wait, hold on. What's it saying? It says here it actually say? it says here you can't get any of those things. What? It actually says Did you pull Yeah, it no, says check page 2. No, it says it says none of the one shining podcast merchandise exists. <laughs> However, you can go to the Ringer merch store and get Shay Serrano's disrespectful dunk t-shirt and some hoodies and hats and some other stuff. Oh. Cool. Uh just go to the ringer.com/shop <laughs> to pre-order your merch now. These items won't last long. Once they're gone, they're gone. Again, ringer.com slash shop to pre-order stuff that is not One Shining Podcast stuff. (laughs) Kyle, you've done it again. (laughs) There are no duffels. There are no T-shirts. The friends of the program have been let down yet again, Kyle. Congratulations. All right.